Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Yellow Jackets Hive. I am Media Melanie here with. And I'm Emily. And today we are here to recap and speculate all about Yellow Jackets Season 2, Episode 205 Two Truths and a Lie. Before we get into it, we're going to handle some business first. We had a pretty exciting week here in the Hive. Um, we'd like to start by saying that we launched our Patreon, and we would like to formally welcome our new patrons. Um, we've got longtime supporter and friend Phoenix. We've got Drew. We've got Kaylee, also longtime supporter and friend, um, Mitchie, Michelle, and Kimberly. So welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for buzzing in. We could not be more excited to have you in the Patreon. Yeah, we really appreciate everybody that supports us. Yes, 100%. We have so much gratitude. Like we say, you know, we um, take a lot of time. We're both busy moms and any support we can get to cover our time and expenses is always appreciated. So if you are inclined, feel free to join patreon.com slash podcast. And we're actually doing a special if you join before May 1st, um, we're having a giveaway. So you'll get an entry into a Showtime slash Paramount Shop mug giveaway. Um, one Anyone you want. Person. Anyone you want. And there's quite a good selection, Emily. Which yeah. one is your favorite, would you say? I think it has to be the one that says, hello, Misty, you crazy fucking bitch. <laughs> Love that one. That is a classic. I own the classic yellow jackets. Don't mind the coffee stain. Um, but I would also like the black rune mug. I really like that yeah. one as well. Um, yeah. Anyway, there's a great selection. So for everyone that joins before May 1st, you have a chance to win one of those mugs. If you're a patron, we're also... Um, we, actually, I should start for, with this. We have our new Coed Naked shirts also out. Um as you can see, they say co-ed naked podcasting. They're super cute. I thought I imported a picture of the back of it. Maybe not, but it says catch a vibe in the hive on the back and it has our hive after dark logo, um, which we are very excited about. Um, you can shop for our collaboration shirt or any shirt at coednaked.com. If you use promo code hive20, you will save 20% on your entire purchase site-wide. Yeah. So they have so much good stuff too. Like they have so many different things that you would never even think of. Oh my God. Like that one, Coed Naked Cornhole. Cornhole. <laughs> it says the hole is the goal, you guys. The hole is the goal. <laughs> so anyway, they're very clever. Of course, Coed Naked was a very popular 90s brand. Uh, we saw the Coed Naked soccer shirt on Van in season one. And for our patrons who order any Coed Naked shirts you have a chance to win a co-ed naked flag. So just a little extra opportunity for our patrons. So head over to our Patreon, join if you'd like to. Um, definitely shop coednaked.com with promo code HIVE20. And uh, we appreciate all your support with our various endeavors. So thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, okay. So now we will get into the show. Um, Jessica Lynn says, so ready for today's live. We are so ready to. And Michelle, welcome patron and welcome to the live stream. Bought hers and a soccer one also. So, wow. Thank you guys. Definitely, um, you know, post pictures and tag us when you're wearing Yes, them. absolutely. Cannot, cannot yeah. wait to see them. So we on our Hive After Dark After Show this week had a special guest. Emily, who did we chat with on Sunday? We chatted with Nuha, Crystal the Pistol herself, and she was such a great guest. 
she was great. She was just so bubbly and endearing and, you know, answered all of our questions, our fan questions. Um, we talked about her character journey, you know, behind the scenes. We did pull a little clip we're going to share really quick, kind of talking about what the cast like to do in their free time. So we are quite a mellow group. We love playing board games. Um, so most hangouts, honestly, would be like if we weren't going and doing like escape rooms and stuff like that would be just chilling in um, and like playing Exploding Kittens and Yahtzee. <laughs> um, we love games. So I think those would have to be my favorites because it's just so chill and nice. Like at the end of a work day, you're just inside yeah. and we're all quite homebodies. Um, so it was nice to just hang out with them in that environment. Was there like someone that dominated the board games, like a winner every time, like someone really good? Everyone is so competitive. Samantha's really good at this game um, called Chameleon. Um, Samantha's really good at that. Um, Kevin is very competitive. So he's really good at like exploding kittens. But every once in a while, we'd all like, you know, at least win one round of something. Um, Yeah. Kevin. Kevin is very competitive. Yeah. So I get the feeling that Kevin Alves is pretty competitive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. We had actually spoken with Kevin and he talked about the playing board games, though he did not mention his competitive streak. So we've got your number, Kevin. It's like, it's not really like that surprising to me that they just like to sit around and play board games, considering like the kind of show that they film, like, it's such a heavy show that when they have off time, they probably just want to relax and just chill. Absolutely. And Alexandra uh, Felcher said board games in the wilderness would be great to see in future episodes, right? It's too bad they don't have like checkers or chess in the cabin. They've only got this deck of cards with some that are missing eyes, which is maybe the creepiest game out there, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Time to get into the show here, you guys. Emily, why don't you read the description of Two Truths and a Lie? Okay, fellow jackets, rise and shine and don't forget your booties because it's cold out there. Misty makes a leap of faith for her bestie. Natalie and Lottie play a game of surrender. Shauna finds herself unexpectedly Randy and Ty seeks out a movie recommendation. Yes. And, you know, speaking of Randy, we are actually recording an interview with Jeff Holman today, which is exciting. So that's going to drop soon. Um, Before we get into the uh, recap and speculation, Emily, uh, I'm going to would you rather you. Okay. Would you rather join Lottie's tree cult, as Shauna called it, or pretend to hook up with Randy Walsh? Uh, I think I'd go with pretend to hook up with Randy Walsh. (laughs) 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 I just, like, I don't buy into anything that Lottie's saying, like, in the wilderness. Like, if I was one of the teens, like, I feel like I would be Shauna. Oh, no. Melanie. Melanie left us. (laughs) So yeah, I would want to be Shauna, or, or I would feel very similar to Shauna, I should say. Where'd you go? I don't know. It just like disappeared, but I'm back. So I literally no idea. But I'm back. I just said that I would feel a lot similar to Shauna. And I would kind of look at it as like hocus pocus, as I've said before, for sure. Absolutely. Or Randy. <laughs> yes. Hey, you know what? Like Randy's a nice guy. So yeah. you know, if you have to slum it in a motel room with him and place and pretend for a little bit could be worse definitely he's so funny too like he just cracks me up 
<laughs> he is. He's much needed comedy relief to the show. Um, yes. Cannot wait to speak with him. We'll get a little more context into his experience filming and his character journey when we drop that interview. We yeah. did have some questions now answered on this episode. Uh, for instance, we got more context on Adult Van finally. This has been a long time coming. We finally saw Lauren Ambrose on our screens. We got some Thai Van moments. That was, I think, one of the big moments of this episode. Absolutely. Um, We found out that Javi had someone, a her, watching out for him um, to be determined if this is a real person, maybe Ty's dark passenger. Some people have been saying it's Lottie. Some people are saying, you know, it's the underground tree people. And we will get a little more into that and and Javi's drawing, try to pick that apart a little bit. But uh, we also... uh, you know, Travis's note, tell Nat she was right. Um, right about them bringing the darkness back from the wilderness with them is, I think, what we're all starting to think right now based yeah. on that, right? Yeah, based on, like, the the vision that she has of them at the end of the episode where she's with Travis, because that's legitimately what she says to him. Like, we brought it back with us. And she tells Lottie, like, that's what I was right about. So, yeah, I would definitely make that assumption as of now. Yes. And, you know, we saw a flashback that Nat had of an OD and, you know, some different moments. And then, of course, when Lottie hypnotized Nat, she saw the crash from a different perspective. And then Lottie mm-hmm. saw the Antler Queen's shadow, which was was very creepy. Yeah. And this episode actually opens with the adult timeline first, which, again, playing four non-blondes, what's up, which I loved. I know that's not a popular opinion. Like, I loved it. I played it on repeat on my tape player and Walkman growing up. But, you know, some people think it was overplayed and this and that. That might be the case. I still love it. I still love oh, nostalgia. I, like I thought it was a great song to open up with, especially using a 90s song opening up with Van Shop because yes. it is what it's while you were streaming and it's a VHS shop. You know, the kids kind of walk in and they don't really know about these boxy things that play movies. So I think the the pairing of that song with Van, who seems to be kind of, you know, stuck in the 90s a little bit and obviously... Oh, yeah battling some demons here in the adult timeline. You know, we see her throwing her past due bills away. Um, We see her digging medicine out of the trash. Um, So there's, you know, definitely something there going on with Van. But anyway, great way to open up the show. I thought thought that was was a nice touch. So, yes. Um, Other things that we see in this episode, we see more of the girls falling in line with Lottie and joining her prayer circle. We're getting more of this like buy-in in the teen timeline. Yeah. Um, we still don't know exactly where Javi was, but like we said, we know that somebody or her has been watching out for him. And then, um, you know, Callie and the cop have a, an interesting interaction in this. Callie sexually hustles him and tries to throw him off track from Shauna. So, you know, yeah. it turns out Callie might not be the worst daughter after all. Uh, she might actually be trying to help a little bit. So I thought it was so interesting that like when she goes to them in that moment and tells them that she told the cop what she told the cop, like about Randy and Shauna, like that was the first time that she showed like genuine excitement, like talking to her parents. Like she was like, so I did good. Right. Like she was so proud of herself. And Sean was like, you did great. <laughs> yep. And you know, her approach, she walks in, she's like, promise not to freak out. Um, you know, she really, she was clearly worried about it and, you know, really yeah. tried her best in the situation. Um, did anyone catch Showtime's tweet that said promise not to freak out with the yes or no poll? Um, 
you know, still waiting, still waiting. Well, that could be just Callie's quote from this past episode. I don't know. The Showtime Genius Marketing team usually shrouds things and other things. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they have some kind of an announcement. I mean, yeah. for me, I, I would hope that it's like the 10th bonus episode, right? Like that would be for me. That I was talking to one of my Yellow Jackets friends yesterday about this, and she said that maybe they're going to give us like a bonus episode, like in between seasons, like oh, like a pre-crash one or something. Like I've yeah. seen that on Twitter. I mean, we can all have our hopes and dreams, of course, but um, I mean, a bonus episode would be absolutely amazing. So, yeah. yes. Yes. So let's start with the teen timeline, despite the episode opening with the adult timeline, um, since we always start with the teen timeline. Uh, We see Ty and Shauna in the cabin. Uh, Ty's waking up in the morning, and it seems like she actually made it through the night um, and and slept the entire night, which is new for her. And what do you make of that, Emily? Do you think it has to do with Lottie's prayer circle that she's been hosting? Um, I don't think so. Like, if... Like, we know that Javi has a friend. Like, we know this. And a part of me thinks that that friend is Fugue State Ty. So I was thinking maybe she stopped sleepwalking because Javi is back. Like, and she's not going out anymore to find him, to bring him food, to help him because he said he was being helped by somebody. So that was just a thought that, like, came into my head yesterday. I love that thought. I think there could be something to that. The timing of it is so strange. And clearly she was, you know, going somewhere like to the bottom of, you know, Van's map with the symbol where that hook was. So I still think that's telling that location. I do think that, you know, there's got to be some kind of underground tunnels. Um, You know, Michelle said, makes sense to me, Emily. And I agree with Michelle. I think that's a great um, a great thought. And real yeah. quick, Alexandra, thank you. You guys are the bonus episodes. <laughs> oh my God, we appreciate that so much. You guys are like the sweetest. So um, so back to Shauna and Ty. Shauna's kind of complaining how uncomfortable she is at this stage. And Ty says, you know, the is the hungry one still kicking your bladder? And tells her not to worry. You know, it, it won't be much longer. And now we surmise that the birth is actually coming in episode six. So yep. Oh, goodness. It's going to be a doozy. It's going to be a doozy. Um, So in the teen timeline, like we said, Lottie is hosting these morning circles. The way that the camera is focusing really close up on all the pine needles, the snow, it could be from Shauna's perspective, who's kind of like watching it from the back, or it could be more of that, you know, ominous camera work that is really focusing on the wilderness as its own character. You know, the individual pine needles, like they've mentioned before, um, that sort of thing. So I think that the way they incorporate the camera moves and what they're focusing on really goes into Lottie and this this circle. Um, And this is like the first time I've seen Mari happy. She's smiling and enjoying herself, which for our cabin Karen is not (laughs) normally the case. So I thought that was... That was fascinating to me. So, and she's like buying in more than anybody else to Lottie and what she's spewing. Yes, she really is. Mari seems like she could be like Lottie's number one follower. And yeah. again, like I've got my money on, you know, um, Lottie being pit girl. So 
Lottie being picked wrong. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Mari, Mari. I was actually, <laughs> I'm like simultaneously scrolling, looking for the photo of um, Lottie and the circle, which I don't think we have, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. Um, right well, there's a close up of her, right? Oh, here. yes. There we go. Okay. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and just a note like, sometimes I'm looking to the side, I'm looking for like the comments or a picture or my notes. So I'm not like not paying attention, just because <laughs> anyone wonders. I'm really hard on myself with things like my eyeline. So just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. Anyway, we digress. Um, we go to the cabin interior and we see uh, Jen and Melissa discussing Javi. And what did Melissa say here? I thought this was pretty funny. Maybe he did die and that's his ghost, <laughs> which I like mean... was a theory that was going around too, like that Javi isn't Javi anymore. Like it's something else that is pretending to be him, which I don't think, but that would sure be interesting. I mean, we can't rule out anything at this point. The, the wilderness is, you know, quite a dark, ominous force out there. Um, and we will actually be speaking um, to uh, Jenna Burgess, who plays Melissa, and Maya Lowe, who plays Jen, on May 21st. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, Van and Mari are also both frustrated, and they ask Travis to help. And Travis is just kind of like, hey, look, he's going to talk when he's ready. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're not pushing him, but at the same time, they really all want to know, like, where was he? I mean, where's Javi was like the biggest question of yeah. season one and, you know, going into season two until we finally saw him. And in that moment, too, when Van is asking Travis for his help with Javi in the background, I only caught it when I had closed captioning on. Um, Akila is asking uh, Javi a question and she says, hey, Javi, where'd you find that card? the queen of hearts card with the eyes blocked out. They don't actually, sh I don't think they actually show the card, but like, I'm assuming that's the card that they're referring to. And where the heck did he find, like, did he find this in the middle of the forest? <laughs> I mean, was it in the underground bunker? Are there like, you know, these like high stake poker games going on underground in the wilderness? Doubtful, <laughs> but very odd that he would have this card all of a sudden. I, yeah. I cannot even begin to guess where the card came from. Like, no, no I clue. have no clue. No clue. Like, and it really depends where he was. Like, that really is a huge factor in that. Like, if he was in an underground mine or tunnel or something like that. Yeah, that's my guess too, Michelle, under the porch. Like, under the porch. I yeah. don't see the card being in like a mine. Like, that would be so random. Like, so random. Alexander saying maybe Cabin Daddy was a doomsday prepper and built an underground shelter and died before completion. I mean, it's possible. Underground, though, it, with the snow melting on the various tree stumps, I do think that, you know, there's something to the underground. And hopefully, we're going to, we are going to find out. Um, Nat invites Travis to go out. Travis says, I'm good. And could this be the real downfall of Nat and Travis's relationship in the 90s Ugh. timeline? They get into like an argument with each other at that point, too. I actually have the dialogue here. Um, she says she asks him if he wants to go. Well, actually, no, it starts with Travis talking to Javi and he says, look, I get running away, especially that night. A lot of fucked up things happen. Whatever you saw out there, why you're not talking to us, to me, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to. But please just tell me where you were, Javi. And then Natalie says, he'll be all right. He just needs time. And Travis says, you don't think he got enough of that out there? And 
at the end, he says, quit acting like a fucking saint. You planted the bloody clothes. Just say it. And she says, she starts to say that she only did it to help him. And he said, you made me stop looking for him. Maybe he wouldn't be so fucked up if I had found him sooner. So that's on you. So they are definitely like on the outs now. And he storms out after that conversation and Lottie follows him. Like, so I think this is going to push him like right to Lottie. And we saw him in that prayer circle at the beginning of the episode participating just like everybody else. Like he's clearly buying in just like the girls are, which has always made me wonder just because Natalie says in season one, like Travis didn't believe in any of this shit. Like, was it really Travis or was it you pretending that it was Travis? Seems to me it was more her denying that he was involved. And we know that Nat and Travis eventually made up because we saw that they ended up with scenes together or they ended up seeing each other in between the rescue and adult Travis. So eventually they do make up, but I think that forever changed the dynamics of their relationship and definitely pushed him more in Lottie's direction. Uh, um, He was fully bought in, in that morning prayer circle. I mean, they all were, they were all listening and hearing and, you know, maybe these skills will come in handy later. We did see when Shauna and Ty were out in the blizzard, they were really trying to hone in on that, that same like inner listening Mm -hmm. vibe. So maybe that comes into play later. Um, And then of course, you know, this was a big episode for Crystal. Uh, we have a Misty and Crystal scene. They're talking about who they'd bring to their slumber parties. Um, this was hilarious. Misty was like, you know, Play-Doh, of course, Eric Neese from MTV's The Grind, and Kevorkian. Like, he's doing some really interesting things. And I'm just like, that is such a Misty answer. And then um, Crystal says, like, well, young Kevorkian was really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, Nuha was so amazing on the show. I'm really going to miss her character. Um, And while they're having this moment, Mari comes around and they they are picking cards to do chores and Crystal gets the poop again. Misty offers to help and Crystal says, thanks, bestie. Um, So they're, you know, really nurturing their little bestie friend relationship there, which as we know is short lived. So see what happens there. Um, Ty and Akila are both chatting about the circle. They're both a little bit skeptical. It does seem like Akila kind of looks up to Ty a little bit. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, maybe that plays into her attending the circle, but they're both doing it for their own reasons, right? Um, yeah. you know, Ty says, happy wife, happy life. And you know what? It, it may or may not be helping her not sleepwalk. So I think for her, it's, you know, why not? Why not yeah. just do it? I think she believes that anyways, that going to this is what is stopping her sleepwalking. Yes. I definitely think she believes that. Yes. Uh, Travis is still trying, excuse me, um, to get Javi to talk. And it's very clear that Javi's like 100% traumatized. That was something Luciano told us. He said, you know what? Javi is traumatized. Who knows what he saw out there, like what his friends were doing that he might've witnessed. So, um, you know, it it was a long two months. Um, and like we talked about, there was that scene with Nat and Travis. Nat ends up kind of just storming off, going to do her own thing. And then, um, Misty and Crystal, they take the poop bucket out to dump it and they start confiding their deepest secrets Mm -hmm. to each other. And um, that does not go very well. Emily, walk us through what what happens with Crystal and Misty. Well, Crystal starts out by telling her that her real name is not Crystal. It's actually Kristen. Um, And 
she was called Crystal on the first day of play practice, but she just never corrected anybody because they gave her a nickname and she had never been given a nickname before, which made me kind of feel bad for her because like it in that moment, it was so clear that like you could tell she just wanted to belong to whatever group she was a part of. Um, and then they share a couple more secrets and Misty is like, well, I have a, a secret, a ginormous one. And she, of course, opens her mouth and decides to tell Crystal that she destroyed the black box. Well, she called it the emergency transponder, I think, in the actual episode. And she was fully expecting Crystal to, like, not get upset about this. Like, and we talked about this before when we discussed the black box that, like, we know in real life that the black box wouldn't have helped find them. but. In the show, we don't expect a group of teenagers to have any idea how that actually works. So they're probably all under the impression that it would help find them. So when she reveals that to Crystal, her reaction is, so you're the reason why we didn't get rescued. And Misty immediately realizes that, like, she fucked up and she should not have said anything. Big mistake. Yeah. And so she tries to play it off like, oh, my gosh, I totally got you. Like, you should see your face. And Crystal says, well, you're not that good of an actress. And (laughs) she said, like, she says, you can't tell anybody. Like, I'll do anything you want. Please don't tell anyone. And Crystal says, what are you going to do, poison me again? And Misty says, no, I'll fucking kill you. And in that moment, Crystal backs up off the cliff and plummets to her death. She sure does. And, you know, Michelle pointed out in the comments that, you know, Misty's an unreliable narrator. So it's possible that maybe this went down a different way, but they wrote it this way in order to perhaps alleviate Misty's guilt out there or maybe for another reason. But also, let's talk about Crystal's body positioning here. It reminds me of Lottie's when she had hallucinated the ghost plane and fallen over in the snow when she was cold. It almost looks like it could be quasi the shape of the rune or symbol, maybe. Um, Either way, she's, you know, very clearly dead. Um, Misty, of course, comes down. She is singing Staying Alive while trying to perform CPR on her. Blood comes out of her mouth. She is very clearly dead. Um, And of course, the Staying Alive part is relevant in the adult timeline. That song comes on the radio when her and Walter are driving um, and she turns it immediately off. So I do think there's a good chance that song, you know, really triggered her. Um, So, yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, is – is definitely a thing. Um, you know, also something we didn't really talk about with Crystal, her clothes. I feel like she had like the best clothes out of everybody. Like she's got all these colorful sweaters. She has this like pink floral jacket. She was really a bright spot and we're going to miss her. It was so much fun. Again, chatting with Nuha and um, to the point of the staying alive, uh, Brandon Smith had tweeted, you know, he noticed something. Misty turned the radio off in Walter's car when playing staying alive. She did that because it reminded her of her failed attempt to resuscitate Crystal. Yes, I think that is highly likely. And, um, you know, I don't know who's going to be the next to die. But one thing, 
in the trailers, we saw the girls carrying a body on a stick, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it appeared that the body had Converse sneakers on. Let's note that Nuha does not appear to be wearing Converse sneakers in this photo. Yeah. Um, we had zoomed in close. It does look like there's some sort of boots. So I don't think it's going to be Crystal's body that they're carrying back on the stake. Like, I hate no. to say it, but... Luciano posted a behind the scenes photo wearing Converse. So I'm just going to say it. I still don't think it looks very good for Javi, which is really sad because we just got him back. So yeah, I know. Yikes. Yikes. I'm I'm really nervous for him. Do you think that there's a possibility though, that they will go retrieve Crystal's body and they will eat her? I think there's a strong possibility. I think that Misty will have to play it just the right way to make it seem authentic that she discovers her body. Um, And I think that the girls may question that because like it's right over the pee and poop cliff. Like that seems a little bit sus, though there was a blizzard. So, you know, the chance of her maybe getting whited out and having, you know, fallen, fallen over the cliff could, could be, it could be. Yeah. So, um, other scenes in the teen timeline, uh, Lottie is actually whispering to Shauna's baby in utero, uh, you're going to change everything. Um, mm. and this is while Shauna's sleeping and, you know, Shauna wakes up and sees Lottie doing it and she kind of freaks out. Um, I mean, I would too. It's, you know, yeah. a little bit, um, a little bit unsettling, especially for Shauna who really hasn't bought in so um, it just reminds me of like when I've been in public like when I was pregnant and like a random person would come up to me and be like oh my gosh you look so cute and like touch my stomach without like asking me first like so rude (laughs) yeah no that's like the worst that and like oh my god are you like eight months pregnant and you're only like four months pregnant and yeah or or, like oh are you having twins like people and boundaries with pregnancy like Oh, my God. Like, get a grip, people. Seriously. So Lottie kind of is falling into that category a little bit. Um, And then Shauna and Ty get into a confrontation about Ty not having Shauna's back and joining the prayer group, um, as as Shauna called it. And, you know, that definitely makes Shauna uncomfortable. Like, she thought Ty was her ally. And to see her, you know, out there buying in with the rest of them, I think we start to see Shauna kind of, like, separating herself a little bit from the group. And and Shauna also, like, confided in Ty in that, like confrontation that she's absolutely terrified of the fact that she's about to give birth in the middle of the woods with no medical care. Like, and Misty I, fucking Quigley is the OBGYN on call. Birth like in a hospital can be scary, like with doctors and nurses, let alone like having none of that and having no, like you can't get an epidural if you're in pain. Um, what happens if the baby gets stuck? Like, there's so many things that could go wrong and not to mention like how young she is. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different issues that could, could arise here. So, you know, I think the hope at this point is that, you know, Shauna can overcome the loss of her baby. Cause I think we can all assume that wilderness baby probably doesn't make it like all signs are pointing to that. Um, I believe episode seven title is burial. Um, So 
to me, that means they're going to be burying the baby. I imagine mm-hmm. they will probably eat the placenta. Um, so, you know, that's going to be a little crazy. And Sean is now in active labor. Um, you know, she had left the cabin and she goes out and almost gets lost with Ty. It's like this blizzard just like comes in out of nowhere too, yeah. you know? Um, it comes like at, at a convenient time for Misty to use it as an excuse for pushing or for having Crystal have died. And then, you know, it's almost like trying to trap Shauna and Ty out there. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not very good, uh, right now with that blizzard situation. So coach Ben now comes into play and he discovers an interesting drawing and the drawing was done by Javi. Let me pull that baby up here. So you see the woman, I 100% see the woman. It looks like a woman with long, dark hair who is like Mm -hmm. retreating into the root system of the tree. Um, Are there tree people? Is this a metaphor for Ty's dark passenger? Could the man with no eyes somehow come into play with this? Is there something under the tree roots? Emily, there are so many questions about this drawing. And then coupled with the fact that Javi says, you know, she was, she was looking out for me out there. Um, she told me not to come back. She told me not to come back. Um, and when yeah. he asks who, all Javi says is my friend and he walks away and coaches like Javi, who's your friend? Like nothing else. Like I'm, like I said before, like as of now, I'm convinced that it has to be futile. I I would have to think so. Um, I mean, and I, it's almost it's almost like there's like two figures there. I don't know. It's like one of those optical illusion pictures a little bit. Like you look at it and you keep seeing different things. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I mean, I definitely see the woman. There's there's just you know there are so many things about this as Alexandria is pointing out in the comments. Oh my goodness! Like I cannot wait to find out more about that. Um, and then, you know, at that point, Misty comes back to the cabin. She claims her and Crystal were separated in the blizzard and she plays it well. So, you know, Crystal had just pointed out Misty's not that good of an actress, but she pulled it off. And I think she was pretty convincing when she came back and, you know, was able to convince the rest of them that, you know, she simply got separated and she plays it off. It was weird though, because the only one out of all of them that said like, we should go look for her was Akila. Like, all the other girls kind of like brushed it off to the side. Granted, like they knew Shauna and Ty were trapped out there, there too. And Shauna being as pregnant as she is, like that was probably very concerning for them. But yeah, like Akila was the only one that said like, we should go look for her. And I think that that's going to obviously fall to the wayside because Shauna's an active labor. So they're going to kind of forget about it until all of that calms down and that's over. Yeah, I mean, you know, like we said, that blizzard looks pretty fierce out there. Ty's really trying to help Shauna and guide her hopefully back to the cabin. I think it's like whiteout conditions. You know, they're having trouble. Excuse me. And that's when all the girls kind of start um, like doing that listening game again, like trying to listen and, and, you know, hear them. And, you know, eventually they do bring Shauna back into the cabin. She is screaming in pain and she is 100% in active labor. Yes. I love the end of the episode when she starts screaming in the song that came on. It was like the perfect song. It was called, I think it's called Mother. The song. Yes. Danzig. Yes. Yeah. My husband was like, oh, I love this song. 
Yes, definitely. Um, it sure was. Mother by Danzig. Other songs in the episode, of course, we mentioned uh, What's Up by Four Non Blondes. Uh, there's Big Mouth by Necking, Staying Alive by Tropical Fuckstorm, and Mother <laughs> by Danzig. So, yes. Yes. With that, let us move on to the adult timeline. Uh, as we mentioned, the show opens up in the adult timeline. We see Van in her shop while you were streaming. She's throwing away her past due mail. Um, there's She's rewinding a movie called Welcome to the Dollhouse, which is funny because that could definitely be a nod to episode three in season one. Yeah. And they had some nice Easter eggs in there, too. You know, they had, like, a sandwich board up with the Wednesday Adams quote on it, which, of course, is funny because Christina Ricci was in Wednesday on Netflix. Great show, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they had some nice little gems in there. And just the overall 90s nostalgia of it all, I think, was really fun. So I loved it when the when the boys came into her shop and they were, like, asking questions about the VHS tapes, like, calling them, like, boxes and stuff. It just made me crack up. <laughs> yes, the 90s. Be kind, rewind. There's like a whole generation that will never know the joys of removing a VHS from a VCR, inserting it into a whole separate device to rewind <laughs> it, and then return it to the store. And then, of course, never mind like late fees and all that stuff. Yikes. Like the 90s, such a good time. I oh used to God. love going to the video store and renting movies. Like that was like what we did on Friday nights when I was a kid. Yes. And as Michelle pointed out with the nod to Christina Ricci, yes, she also played Wednesday in the Wednesday in the Adams Family movie. So like dual, yeah. dual meaning there, 100%. Um, and this is when we see Callie and Jay or M. Saracusa, as we know, the police officer in the bowling alley. And Callie's really trying to get him to kiss her. And she sexually hustles him um and then he goes to the bathroom the waitress brings the bill and she looks at it emily why do you think she looks at it like this is something i asked the other day too is she just like does she want to know how much it is does she have a sneaking suspicion that he's not who he says he is like why even look at the check or was it just simply a device written to move the plot forward um I really don't know. Like, I don't think she looked because she thought anything suspicious because just the way she was acting, like, it didn't seem like she suspected anything of him, like anything odd anyways. So I think it was really just more curiosity. And it, and it just happened like that she found out that he was lying about what his name is. And that was really quick thinking on her part to Google search him. And found out that he was a cop and she realized, oh shit, like I'm in some trouble now. I mean, amazing citizen detective skills by Callie. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've all kind of thought like, oh God, she's just this kind of like shit daughter that doesn't give a crap. All she wants to do is just like vapor face off. But yeah. really, I think she's internally struggling. You know, her and Shauna don't have the closest relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, she's getting involved with this clearly much older man. Um, so, you know, but but she ends up helping because she ends up telling him that Shauna is actually fucking Randy Walsh, you know, <laughs> Jeff's best friend. So she does have some like quick thinking skills, tries yeah. to throw him off the trail. So you know what? Props to Callie for trying to be the daughter that, um, you know, Shauna wishes she had. And, and now she does. Like, I feel like Shauna was actually kind of proud of her 
in a way, even though yeah. she, she kind of sounded a little sarcastic. Like I think deep down she was like, oh, okay, that's my girl. That's my girl. <laughs> in that scene too, they are making sandwiches with cinnamon raisin bread, which I thought was so weird. Oh like, my God. Who puts turkey and mustard on cinnamon raisin bread? Like that sounds disgusting. No. <laughs> it was I, on sale. <laughs> yeah. I was like, are things really that hard up in the Sadecki family? Like we're eating like – the cinnamon bread stuff. Like, I don't know. It just, I, I caught that too. And I'm just so glad you brought that up because <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe it's just like an inside joke with Bart and Ashley or something. I don't know. But like, what an odd thing to throw in. That was pretty funny. Like oh, oh, Michelle so just funny. said, uh, that family will eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> Literally anything. Literally <laughs> anything. Oh my God. The Sadekis. Like they would crush the survivor challenge where you have to like eat all the crazy like bugs and weird things yeah they yep. should and uh, of course we know misty would crush all of the puzzles after solving the symbol puzzle at um travis's death scene in season one so gosh yeah. they'd make a good survivor crew we do know that the yellow jackets cast will be on celebrity family feud i believe in july so we will talk about that more as the time comes but my god that is going to be amazing and cannot yeah. wait to watch that so Misty and Walter, they're on their road trip. We mentioned Staying Alive comes on the radio. Misty immediately turns it off. She's kind of like standoffish. She's trying to concentrate clearly to like look for where the cult is. And Walter's trying to engage her and, and have some fun. So they play two truths and a lie. Um, it's funny because Walter gave her all truths. So like what what's up with that? I mean, weird. I don't think he knows how to play the game. Like he made, he just made up his own rules. Like he even said, the point is to win. Like that's my point. And now you know more about me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and his, his all truths were, you know, that he um, had a goat named Billy who made or artisanal goat cheese. There's zero chance. Barry Manilow is his dad and he owns a ton of Taco Bell stock, but he's never ate there. So I don't know. Interesting. I don't know that that really tells a big story about Walter Tattersall. And yeah. it's still yet to be determined, you know, is he a good guy, a bad guy, just a regular guy? Um, you know, he left in this episode. I imagine he's going to be coming back probably to yeah. rescue Misty. And I've also seen it teased that he's coming back for season three, which has not been confirmed, but it seems to be like one of these swirling rumors online. So before he um, drives away, um, he says to Misty, your friendships are a little more complicated than most. Kidnapping, Colt's death, Adam Martin. Look, the story you told about Adam's grieving mother was moving, but like any good citizen detective, I followed up. I'm sorry to say, Misty, you slipped on this one. She's very much dead. So I laid it all out there to see why you would want to lie about something like this. And I deduced that you probably killed him, maybe to help a friend. And she says, you think I'm capable of murder? And he says, sure, you're charming and impulsive, which are traits of most ser serial killers. Only you pull it off. So he is like so on to her. But like after he says that, he basically tells her like he doesn't care what her extracurricular activities are. So is that him saying like, I don't care if you're a murderer? <laughs> I mean, it it sure seems that way. Um, I... <sighs> I, I don't know. I mean, I hope he's coming back. I really hope he's coming back. He has to be. But has I also be. thought it was really interesting in that moment too, like the teen and the adult timeline kind of mirrored each other because Misty lost both of her friends at that time. She lost Crystal and she lost Walter at the same time. Like it 
was one right after the other. And I thought that was really interesting. That is really interesting. And um, just really quickly, um, Misty had shared two out of her three truths or lies. And she said, I don't like monkeys. And we're asking the wrong questions about the moon landing, which I think were hilarious. And then it's at that point when they find Camp Green Pine. Mm -hmm. Um, Real quick, we have a comment here from uh, Q Awkward Noises. The opening being a song by a band called Four Non Blondes. Could that be Ty, Shauna, Nat, and Van? Um, It could be. Never thought about that. And that would give even more meaning to you know, what's going on and why is Misty left out? Like, I don't know. What's up? What's going on? I mean, could there be a deeper meaning? Probably, probably. Um, And then Jamie commented, I love the Walter quirkiness. Me too. I consider myself a pretty quirky person. I think Misty's character is very quirky. So it makes sense that she gets a quirky counterpart in Walter. And I love that about Elijah Wood's character here. Yeah. He's so great. Oh my God. I love it. Um, so Ty Van, uh, then we see more with them. Van wants to know why Ty is there. Is she sleepwalking? And then at that point, Ty gives her the pen from the trucker from her hitchhiking and they reminisce about Shauna's wedding and tell us how that little interaction goes. I loved this line. It was so funny. They, uh, Ty pulls out the pen that she gets from the trucker and she shows it to Van. And then Van starts telling a story about how at Shauna's wedding, they replaced the the pen for the guest book with one of the pens that she got from the trucker where you flip it upside down and it shows a naked lady. And Mrs. Taylor, Jackie's mom saw it and she freaked out and she said, her bosoms. Her bosoms are showing her. I can see her bosoms. Like that's so funny and totally Mrs. Taylor. And also that confirms that Ty Van were both at the wedding probably yes. together because um, they're sharing it as like a happy memory they had. So I think, you know, that was, that was kind of a moment right there. Um, I think that's the last time they saw each other was the wedding. That makes sense because we, we'd also heard Jeff say when Ty came to Shauna's house in season one, you know, it's been what, like 20 years or 25 Mm -hmm. years or something. So I would say that maybe Ty and Shauna, that was the last time they saw each other as well. So, uh, you know, if I'm suspecting, uh, we had a comment from Rainey Johnson. Hey ladies, did you look into the differences between the symbol under Travis's body that adult Misty sees and the actual tree symbol? They're definitely not the same. Hmm. You know what? We did not look into that. And we always appreciate fans bringing up different things that we can investigate. So we had done a whole episode on the symbol. We speculated a little bit about its origins, maybe something having to do with Robert Hansen. Um, We talked about like sextants and um, Wicca symbol, like all different stuff. But we did not talk about the differentiation between those two. No, Uh, I'll have to go back and look again at that scene where Misty draws the symbol in the picture. Yes. And then we can compare it, of course, to the one on the trees in the cabin and then on the map also that they draw using Mm -hmm. Nat's uh, Nat and Coach Ben's map. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, Michelle said she doesn't think Ty Van were a couple at the wedding. Um, You know, it could go either way. I mean, they could have just all been there as friends. Shauna probably invited all the surviving yellow jackets so as to not look like shady or like she wasn't including anybody. So regardless, you know, they were there. So, um, yeah. So, um, 
back to the adult timeline again. Um, you know, in the Sadeki home, they're doing the sandwiches. Uh, they go through the whole thing with Shauna um, telling Callie she's proud of her for trying to throw her off of the trail. Um, and then we get back to Nat at Camp Green Pine. So Nat seems to be somewhat warming up to the idea of the group a little bit. Like she's somewhat buying in, which is interesting and a little odd for Nat, right? So does she have a sinister a plan? Is she trying to like uncover something and get Lottie in trouble or is she really into it? I mean, I don't know, but she joins Lisa at an actual exercise and is wearing purple. So like, what is going on with that? That's, that's interesting. I feel like part of it is because Natalie doesn't have anyone. Like she has no one in her life. She has nowhere to go. She doesn't have a home. Like she was staying in that motel and she's alone. So hanging around like it's almost like she's waiting to see if things will get better like if there's a place for her there because she doesn't know where she belongs right um you know natalie definitely seems to be the adult who is struggling the most with the trauma or at least not hiding it as well as some of the others yeah. although you know ty's kind of falling apart right now though too so it seems like they're all unraveling a little bit here and some force is going to bring them back together um, and then, you know, we get a little bit more of the Ty Van situation. Um, of course, you know, they just had the pen exchange and then Ty is actually telling Van how bad her sleepwalking has gotten and what she did to Biscuit, which yeah. like Van doesn't seem to be super alarmed about it. Of course she was like, oh, did Sam see? Um, but you know, it's not like she was really surprised to see that. So that speaks to, you know, the things that Ty maybe has done in her yeah. states. I think we're going to see her do worse than what we've seen so far in her fugue state, like in the team timeline. Right. I Ugh. think she's going to hurt somebody in her fugue state. I mean, it's definitely not out of the realm. Um, yeah. And, you know, as Alexandra is saying, infiltration with Nat, she's good at the long game proven by being the hunter. You know, that is a really good observation. Yeah. And I do think she's got something up her sleeve. So, um, yes. So, Misty doesn't understand how she has no idea that Lottie's still around, right? Like she gets to Camp Green Pine. She, um, you know, they get to the gate here. Nat's like, who is, uh, you know, this, this Walter guy. And then of course we know that Walter ends up leaving, um, Misty there. And, um, yeah, but that scene, like, you know, Nat's trying to convince Misty, like, go away, go away. Like, I just really get the feeling that like Nat is, is definitely up to something here. So. Yeah, she's like, you and your hardy boy, go home. <laughs> yes, and I love that. Like, Misty's the Nancy Drew to Walter's hardy boy. I love that. I love I Nancy love Drew. I own a full collection of them, like my most prized possession. <laughs> anyway, um, so the next scenes in the adult timeline are some of my favorite. Um, Shauna meets Randy at the motel, and they're trying to, like, fabricate this affair that Callie has created to throw Saracusa off of this uh, their trail. So she meets him at the hotel room. Um, you know, she kind of scolds Randy for bringing up the blackmail. They pretend to have sex, like make it look really authentic. And then there's the bathroom scene <laughs> because Shauna wants there to be a used condom there just in case anybody is watching. But how does that go down, Emily? Oh my God. It was so funny. Right before Randy goes into the bathroom, Shauna looks at him and she's like, don't you dare think of me. <laughs> And he holds up his two <laughs> fingers and he's like, scouts on her. 
Oh and God. he's in the bathroom and he's like trying to psych himself up. He's like, come on, Randog, let's go. <laughs> and it's oh clearly God. not working. And he thought that it would be a great idea to use lotion as a substitute and put it inside the condom to make it look like he had actually ejaculated. And it did not look realistic at all. Like, no. good try, dude, but you failed. You failed big time. Did you like how he was, like, turning the lights on and off? Like, <laughs> like that was, like, going to help the situation? She's I mean, like, are you almost done in there? <laughs> oh, my God. It was so funny. And, and you know, like, Shauna here is thinking, like, oh, my God, we're going to get away with this. Like, they wrestled yeah. the bed a little bit. They end up leaving together afterwards. There's the condom in the trash. But little does Shauna know that it's lotion and not ejaculate. So yeah. that is a problem. And we know it's a problem because enter uh, Kevin Tan and Saracusa. They go into the motel room. They look around. Kevin's like, yeah, this is legit. Like nothing to see here. They totally boned or whatever. And Saracusa has a different idea. He goes into the bathroom and, you know, sees the condom and yeah. Like he's really inspecting it, like yeah, like a lot. I mean, and ugh. the only thing I can think like that will help Shauna in this situation is that they didn't have a warrant to search that hotel room, so anything that they found won't be able to be used in a court of law. So, like, he fucked up by searching that place, like. Kevin Tan even said to him, like, this will be like, this won't be able to be used. Like nope. this evidence will be useless. So I think that Sean is going to get out of trouble for that reason alone, because they didn't go through the proper channels for the investigation. And that's really going to hurt them. And that is what's going to keep her from getting in trouble. And not to mention, he's like drinking with the high school girl, which is just yeah. Like, so bad on so many levels. Like, yeah. what a scumbag. I don't care if you're investigating a murder. Like, please don't bring, like, teenage girls into weird situations with grown men. Like, it's just yeah. not appropriate. Um, Michelle's saying he just can't do anything right, referring to Randy. And, you know, Randy, when Shauna finds out, we cannot wait to speak with Jeff Holman a, li a little later today and talk to him about that scene. Uh, I think, you know, he's going to have some fun insights on how that went down and working with Melanie and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be cool. Um, and you know what Jamie's pointed out, Jay has a weird obsession with this. You know what? Like yeah. totally a weird obsession. Um, yeah. why is he so vested? Of course, there's some people that think Jay is wilderness baby. I do not buy that for one second, no matter how many no pictures of teen Jeff and Shauna you put next to each other with his picture, the mustache isn't hiding it. Like he's definitely obsessed, but I don't think he's wilderness baby. Um, Michelle, if I, I feel like if it's brought up to questioning Shauna, she'd say she used strawberry lube. Why else would it be strawberry? Um, mm. I mean, they brought up the strawberry lube before, but like, again, like they, did they take the condom to go test it and like, see, like maybe there could be technically a small amount of cum in there and like some lotion from the lube or scent from the lube. I don't know. Like I'm not yeah. getting into Randy's ejaculate any more than we already have. So <laughs> moving forward, um, we have Ty and Van again. Uh, Ty snoops through Van's medicine cabinet and finds a bottle of Oxy and Ty confronts her about it. And Van tells her it was her mom's who got sick with cancer and then van throws it in the trash but later on emily we see her get it out what we do do you think do you think she's an addict do you think she's suffering from a terminal illness what are your thoughts on that 
I think it could be either or. I think like we know she's struggling like financially. So it would make sense for there to be more going on than just financial struggles, like a drug addiction as well. Or like you said, she could have some kind of an illness that requires her to need heavy duty pain meds. And maybe like she is terminal with something. And that was a lie about her mom, like that being her mom's medication. I mean, I think that was a lie anyways. I don't think it was her mom's. I think it's hers. I just don't know why it's hers. Um, I think it could be either or like, cause the adults in the show, the actresses have said that something happens at the end of the season. And I think they said that we lose a character, right? Yeah. It seems that we lose an adult character and some people thought, okay, like we know, you know, Walter's only on for one season. Maybe it's Walter, but maybe it's not. Maybe they also brought Lauren Ambrose on for one season. That's why they made such a big casting announcement out of it instead of keeping it secret. So they could get the most legs out of Lauren Ambrose being on the series. So I do think that's possible. And, uh, you know, one of the fans is asking, was her mom ever sick? Well, we don't know if she was sick, but she did suffer from alcoholism. Um, I believe it was Van slapped her in the face in the first episode to kind of like wake her up when she was flying out for nationals. So, um, you know, and Alexandra numbing Van's pain, especially with Ty showing up. I mean, it definitely could be numbing the pain, um, you know, mental or physical pain. I just keep going back to her throwing the, um, the bills away in the trash, all the past due bills. Like, does she just not care or does she know that she doesn't have a lot of time left? I mean, it really could go either way. Yeah. It really could. That's a good point. It could. And, you know, and then Ty kind of has a little breakdown to Van saying she can't ask for her help because she can't hurt any more of the people that she loves. And, um, you know, it's it's a really touching scene. Like, I think the entire fandom has been waiting for this Ty Van moment, like the way mm-hmm. we see Ty being comforted by Van. Um, you know, Lauren Ambrose just looking so much like Liv Hewson. And I yeah. can't believe the resemblance between them. Um, you know, as we've talked about, Lauren Ambrose is phenomenal and six feet under she's in servant, which is an equally creepy show. And they just did such a good job with this casting. And this moment was a big moment for all the Ty Van fans out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, with Ty, uh, and Van, Van later goes into the trash, fishes out the painkillers. Ty wakes up as the other one and says, this isn't where we're supposed to be. I mean, is this the culminating moment of them all being brought together at Camp Green Pine? Are they going to yeah. leave? How does she, how does Ty's dark passenger know where Camp Green Pine is? What is their road trip going to look like? There are just so many upcoming Ty Van moments, I feel yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Especially because we see in the preview that for next week or for the next episode that, um, Ty and Van are in the car and Ty is on the phone with Jeff asking where Shauna is. And Jeff says, um, she's in the bathroom and she's actually being questioned by the police about Adam's murder. So, yeah. Oh my God. And then, Ooh, Jessica said, um, maybe that cop is Adam's brother. I mean, it's definitely possible. And Emily, was it you or was it another fan that speculated that Walter could possibly be Adam's brother too? And that's why he has such a vested interest in the investigation. It was definitely another fan. That's at that. 
Okay. All right. Cool. Um, and then we have Alexandra, uh, mind blown, official DID diagnosis. Um, you know, we were saying that before. And then we had seen Tawny Cypress on Behind the Buzz talk about how she hadn't done a lot of research into the mental illnesses that could come into play for her character, that she thought the writers were going in more of a supernatural direction. So we've now officially decided to suspend judgment on using the term DID uh, for Ty. We're either going to call her fugue state Ty or refer to it as her dark passenger, which I picked up on Facebook from an, a Dexter fan, which I think is hilarious. So um, we'll wait until we get an official diagnosis. It definitely seems like it could be, but we are just not sure quite yet. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, you know, one thing with that too, there was a fan that pointed out to us that DID is not genetic. So even though we saw like her grandmother and we see Sammy having, you know, visions of like the man with no eyes and Sammy in these weird drawings, like that's not a hereditary thing apparently. So. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, um, let's see. I heard someone thinks Walter is Kristen. Uh, Crystal. Oh, my God. I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. Evil tie is another word we could use to describe her. So there's definitely like dark tie, evil tie. There's definitely words we can use until we have our official diagnosis that will kind of stay away from that. Yeah. Um, Okay, so back to, um, let's see, I had skipped ahead a little bit in the notes here, um, Ty and Van and their breakdown, and then Natalie is at Camp Green Pine and goes snooping in Lottie's quarters and finds a bunch of paperwork that kind of shows the cult members are giving her access to like everything, their bank accounts, their personal info, and then Natalie storms in and she like lays it down for Lottie. She tells in everybody in the cult like she basically says like she's scamming you like she's taking all your money and Lottie is basically like they already know like and one of the cult members is like we give our personal property to Lottie willingly like that's a choice that we make and then she says she's delusional or she's crazy and her delusions have hurt people about Lottie which I found really interesting Yes. Um, Very relevant and, quote. Very yeah. makes a lot of sense in a lot of situations. Yeah. Um, and after that, she kind of tells everybody to leave, like, so that she can have a moment alone with Natalie. And she starts talking about the note that Travis left. Like, don't you want to know what the meaning behind that note was? Like, I do. And Natalie kind of like breaks down a little bit. Like she starts crying and getting upset. And then Lottie is like, let me let, she's basically like, let me help you. And then in the next scene that we see them, that's when she's like doing the whole hypnotizing thing that she does to her. Right. She's trying to extract some memories. And then, um, you know, Nat talks about the last time she saw Travis was on a beach, um, but really she was looking at a beach painting and that Travis uh, at that time had a job and was seeing a girl and Nat sort of wanted to ruin it. Um, Nat overdoses in this vision of her last interaction with Travis. And it's kind of intercut with scenes from the crash. Yeah. But this time Nat says they didn't make it. Um this time and then she sees the antler queen um and the shadow of the antler queen appears you know in in lottie's cult and i think like 
the darkness is resurging. Like Natalie is finally buying in after all this time talking about like all the woo-woo stuff or whatever. Um, I thought it was really interesting in that moment when she puts her head down on Lottie's lap and you see young Natalie too. Like yes. it made me feel really sad actually because she looked so sad and so broken, like realizing that like she should have bought into it when they were out there because she now thinks that whatever happened to them out there was really real. Like, and that she was wrong this whole time. Right. I mean, that moment, you know, Juliet's performance here was so good. And to your point, Emily, uh, you know, teen Ty, I mean, teen Nat laying down in Lottie's lap like that, it was really sad. And it it just kind of shows like, you know, she's reverting back to her teen self and that, you know, the darkness really has set in. She was right. They brought the darkness back with them. Um, So this was a a really... um, it was like an, an emotional scene and mm-hmm. boy, you know, what's going to happen now? It seems like they're alluding to all of them coming together because the darkness is bringing them together. Um, Michelle, Michelle said, um, let me pull it up. I still think that Travis had hired Lottie for her services for a near death experience. And that's why he gave her his bank information. That makes a lot of sense now that we are seeing that Lottie has access to all this bank information. So you know what? Yeah. Maybe maybe that is why she has it. And um, I don't buy her story at all. That like she he just like she fell asleep and when she woke up like he left a note or something like that and like he left his bank information there for her. Like there's something about her story that obviously doesn't add up and it's not correct. She's not telling the full truth. Definitely not. And, but also don't you have to be actually like added on to access it? Like just cause you yeah. have someone's bank information doesn't mean you can empty the account. So why yeah. would she have had access unless all of these cult members just give her blanket access to their accounts, which, you know, I, I can't imagine Travis definitely had more of a level of trust with her obviously mm-hmm. than these other people, but it still is very suspicious as Michelle yeah. pointed out. It's all very suspicious, highly sus. And oh wait, um, she would also have his bank info if he was formally in the cult. Maybe I don't think he was in the cult though. I don't think so. Just because like Lottie said that when she went to Travis's, she drove all night to get there. So they have to live a pretty far distant uh, distance apart, like from where she was to where he was in New Hampshire, because that's where he was living. And she said that he contacted her after years of not hearing from him. So that makes me think that he had nothing to do with the cult whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe Travis was in the cult. Oh wait, that's the one I already showed. Sorry. And Michelle said in case of death, um, I mean, maybe like she was assigned to some kind of a benefactor, although, um, you know, I think this kind of shows that Javi probably isn't in the adult timeline because if, if he was alive, he would have been the person that would have had the authority to empty his bank account, you know, as far as... I'm still um, holding on to my theory that he has something to do with it until they show me that Javi is no longer alive. <laughs> right, right. Um, I mean, who's to know? And uh, Judson's saying maybe he was in the cult and then he left. I mean, maybe it's possible. Um, he definitely sought out Lottie's help, though. So yeah. there's definitely a connection there. Again, the bank account was emptied so fast after... After his death too, before it was even like fully investigated. And mm-hmm. we've got to think that's going to come up in the investigation, you know, like of Travis's death too. Um, yeah. 
So I guess TBD, but so the adult timeline ends and Misty's at the gates of Lottie's compound, begging to be let in, saying that she wants to join. Like poor Misty, always just looking to be accepted and, you know, be included. And, um, you know, I was not surprised at all that she said she wanted to join, like not in no. the slightest. <laughs> no, I mean, Nat's there, like her bestie, you know, current bestie is, is part of it. And we see her playing the drums and wearing purple in subsequent mm-hmm. episodes. So we can surmise. Oh, and then in the water tank in the preview that we've seen too, which I can't wait to find out like what's going on with that whole um, situation. So yes. And Michelle is clarifying. I just meant maybe because of this type of service in case of death, then she could still receive payment for services rendered, right? Like mm-hmm. hiring her as a consultant. And then that was the way in which, you know, she ended up getting paid. So It's definitely possible. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, You know, we'll see what more context we get on Adult Travis. Something interesting, if you did not notice, Kevin Alves is actually voicing um, Adult Travis's character. So, um, of course, you know, Kevin Alves is older but plays a teenager. So it's not far off. And that leads me to believe we don't see a whole lot more of Adult Travis because if they are using a different character to voice it, it's probably like limited scenes. Otherwise, they would have... Um, you know, the actor um, voice it himself. Yes, Michelle, he indeed is. Definitely go back and listen. Um, you can tell, like, once you actually know it's him, like, when you see him speak, the voice, like, Kevin Alvis has a very distinctive voice, in my opinion. And I caught it, like, immediately just because I was, like, thrown back, like, oh my God, his voice sounds so much like Kevin Alvis. Then I found out, not long after that, that it really is Kevin Alves. I really wonder why they did that. I know. It's interesting. It's got to be just limited character appearance and for authenticity, I guess. But um, yeah. it's the only occasion that they've done that, you know, yeah. for a teen slash adult. So um, yeah. interesting and pretty cool nonetheless. Um, Misty moment of the week. We like to kind of highlight our favorite Misty moment of the week. Um, Emily, why don't you tell us what the Misty moment is? Um, her, uh, Misty and Walter are in the car after, uh, they go to try and retrieve Natalie from Lottie's compound. And Misty says to him, maybe Lottie is jealous of what Natalie and I have. I mean, you can't buy that kind of friendship, but you can kidnap it. (laughs) Like she's so convinced that her and Natalie are these like besties for life. And then Walt, after that is when Walter like implies that like they had something to do with Adam Martin's death. But I just love that because Misty like is telling everyone that her and Natalie are best friends. Like in her mind, they are besties for life. And it's so clear that Natalie wants nothing to do with her. Like it makes me feel really bad for her. It does. You know, I mean, poor Misty. And it's funny that you can still have these feelings of feeling bad for her. Well, at the same time in the teen timeline, she basically is responsible for Crystal, her teen bestie, falling off of a cliff. Um, Misty is a complicated character. And I just think, you know, Samantha Hanratty and Christina Ricci bring so much to it to bring her alive. And I swear the Yellow Jackets better get some Emmys this season. Like, they'd better. So looking ahead to episode six, which airs on May 5th, because we are in a hiatus week. Emily, read us the description of the next episode. Trapped inside on a snow day, the Yellow Jackets revisit the highlights, humiliations, and traumas of health class. Thaisa and Vanessa help each other kindly rewind. Misty explores joining a classic 
Cosmic American Tribute Band, Lisa helps Natalie carp the day, and Shauna gets a pop quiz on her cookie reading assignment. This one really happened to someone that a friend's girlfriend's second cousin knew, I swear. New episode of Yellow Jackets streaming May 5th on Paramount Plus with Showtime. Oh my God. Their episode descriptions are hilarious. I can't wait to get our mail for the next episode. I imagine mm-hmm. it will probably come next week because yeah. we are in this bye week right now, which is kind of nice to like stop, catch our breath a little bit and really digest the first five episodes, um, you know, the first half of the season. So, um, and like we said, next week, we're going to be seeing the baby. Um, and we did a poll on Reddit. As of now, what do you think will happen to Shauna's baby in the next episode? Um, it looks like the baby is born alive, but then dies, wins, um, followed mm-hmm. by the baby is stillborn. There was a very small percentage who thought the baby survives and then an even smaller percentage who were unsure. So, um, I mean, I've got money on the baby dies. Like it's, it's stillborn, I think, or it's born and it does not survive very long and they bury I it. was thinking something like the cord, like wrapped around the neck or something like that, like, a an accident like that, that you can't really like prevent from happening. Right. Or like the baby's like in a bad position and they're unable to turn it. But usually that results in like more trauma, I think for the mom. So Mm -hmm. um, we know of course Shauna survives, but no matter what happens to the baby, the next episode from everything we've heard is wild. We've heard Sophie Nelise needs an Emmy for this. We are so team Emmy. Oh my goodness. Um, I really hope she gets nominated. Absolutely. I really, really do. Yes. And, you know, as Alexandra said, we better see that baby. Better not hold out until the following episode. I agree. I would love to have some uh, closure and more context on Wilderness Baby, mostly because then we can stop speculating about everybody who could be Wilderness Baby. Um, There's a lot of that speculation still going on. Uh, You know, newer fans to the show are still under the assumption that Adam could be Wilderness Baby. He is not Wilderness Baby. Lots of people um, we know are not wilderness babies. So, yeah. yes. Um, Michelle said, I feel like he doesn't live long. Stillborn would be sad, but everyone excitedly welcoming him or her and then dying would be heartbreaking. It would be heartbreaking. I have a hard time watching birth scenes on TV. Like birth is so emotional for me. I've done it twice. Um, I was in labor like 24 hours the first time and 14 hours the second time. I did not do epidurals. Like it was like a whole situation. And um, wow, like birth is just a whole thing in this episode. Like I'm going to cry. Like I can already feel myself like welling up with tears over the birth of a fictional wilderness baby. But that's how vested we are in the show. That's like the level of, um, you know, commitment all of us viewers have to finding yeah. out the fate of wilderness babies. So, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So, whew, goodness. Uh, well, we covered that episode, um, Two Truths and a Lie, episode 205, I think pretty thoroughly. But, you know, if we missed anything, always feel free to email us, drop a comment or whatever. As we've said before, one of our favorite parts is the fandom interaction, and you guys share so many cool things with us that we don't always catch, Um, so it's like a team effort here, right? We're building a Yellow Jackets community so we can all 
um, talk about it together. We're like your Yellow Jacket support group, if you will. So <laughs> it's a great way to describe it. Yes. Um, but before we go, just again, um, we did launch our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Yellow Jackets Hive podcast. We've just got one simple tier to start. We've got some fun perks. Um, again, welcome to all of our new patrons. Uh, we've got uh, Phoenix, Drew, Kaylee, Mitchie, Michelle, and Kimberly. Thank you guys so much for buzzing in. We appreciate it. And for all of you who would like to shop our co-ed naked Coed Naked um, collaboration. Visit coednaked.com and use uh, promo code HIVE20. You will save 20% site-wide on any purchase, whether it's our podcasting shirt or not. Um, and then, you know, we hope that you post a photo of you wearing your Coed Naked shirt and tag us because we want to see everyone rocking their quintessential 90s Coed Naked gear. Yes, absolutely. Send us pictures, please. Yes. And, you know, quick note, we did an episode with the owner of Coed Naked, Mark Lane. He was just an absolute pleasure to talk with. He talked about the brand's journey, how it's kind of resurged with uh, its appearance on TV shows such as Yellow Jackets. And then we also spoke with Marie Schley, the costume designer from season one, who gave us some context on how they aged the shirt, um, how it was actually written into the script by Ashley and Bart. So there's a lot of fun little context about that. And you can get it all at yellowjacketshive.com. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate it. Yes. Until we spill again. <laughs>